when I was elected assistant director of youth and discipleship, my first Winterfest, and I was on the steering committee stuff, but I was never like in charge of it. And I was standing down by the stage and the music was so loud, my ears were bleeding. In fact, I remember thinking to myself, you should have brought earplugs. Why didn't you bring earplugs? So I was down there just, nobody was around me, so I'm by myself, so I'm complaining to the Lord. And, and the, the lights were, they were like right there, and they were flashing in my face. The fog machine was blowing over the back of my head, and I was complaining the whole time. I was so, I was like, you got to be kidding me. But when that preacher got done preaching, and he gave the altar call, and listen, I'm standing in the same spot, right there at the edge of the stage. And I saw thousands of teenagers running down to that altar, crying out to God, giving their hearts to him, being filled with the Holy Ghost, being transformed. I remember saying, I said, God, forgive me. Let it be as loud as it needs to be. Let it be as dark. Let it be. I don't care. What I care about is my kids being down in this altar. And if that means there's some stuff I don't like, I learned a long time ago there's going to be stuff I don't like. But it isn't about me. It's about reaching that next generation. I share with them this morning. I was at a church. Or this morning, Don, I share with Don this morning. I was at a church back when I was an overseer. And they said, we want, Ty, they said, we want a young pastor. I said, you don't want a young pastor. And the clerk said, how do you know what we want? I said, well, when I came in, there were so many Afghans, pillows, and cushions, I couldn't find a place to sit. And so I don't know that, a young, that young folk are going to want to come in here and try to fight for a seat. Now, listen to me. It's not about us. It's, it's about the harvest. Amen? It's about the harvest. Okay, it has nothing to do with my message. I got way off track there. Let me bring that back in. I started to get a little passionate. I got to bring that back in. About a year and a half ago, first of all, let me just, have you ever gone through something that just did not make sense? Anybody been there before? Life has a way of bringing stuff our way that we just can't figure out. The story of Job is a big why. Why? Why did this happen? Why did I lose everything? Why am I in this? What did I do? Why am I here? About a year and a half ago, I was riding my bicycle. It was a Saturday morning, like any other Saturday morning, riding my bicycle. And I was struck by a hit-and-run driver. Left me, literally left me laying there on the side of the road. Broke my back in three places, multiple ribs, punctured lung, lacerated liver, head trauma. It, it literally broke my helmet. Uh, I was hit so hard. Broke my bike in half. And I remember laying there when I, they, they took me to Tifton, and Tifton said, there's too much wrong with you. We got to send you to Macon. We can't fix you here. And I remember laying there in the emergency room in Macon, Georgia, and just asking God, why? Now, I'll show you how petty I am. I I said, God, camp meetings in 10 days. That's the truth. I'm just being honest. I said, I can't mean in 10 days. Why did this? Why? And I struggled with, how did I get here? Until I turned the corner on, and I mentioned this to a couple of guys at breakfast this morning. I turned the corner on. You can either choose to trust or you can choose to fuss, but you can't do both. 
And so laying there by myself, COVID was still kind of, you know, they still had a lot of the regulations that had taken them off yet. And so by myself in the, in the ER waiting for a room. And I just made a choice. You know what, God? I'm, I'm just going to trust you. And I just began to sing that little song. He's the miracle worker. He's the way maker. He's the promise keeper. And I said, God, I'm just going to trust your promise. But here's what it taught me. It taught me that in those seasons of our lives, when it just doesn't make sense, those dark places, you've been there before, those dark places, that God has a covering for us in the dark place. And there's a story in Matthew chapter 14. I'm sure you're familiar with it. Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. It's the story of the disciples and Jesus and Peter walking on the water. You're familiar, familiar with that story. And in that story, I see there are several things that Jesus does for us that, that covers us in the storm. Here, here's the thing I know. He never promised there wouldn't be a storm. But he promised to see us through the storm. Now, before we look at this verse of Scripture, there's one thing you got to see woven throughout this story. In fact, woven throughout his word is the foundational truth that God loves us regardless of what we're going through. He loves us tonight because here's what happens. When things get tough, the first thing we question is his love. God, if you loved me, why am I going through this? God, if you really cared about me, why is my family sick? Why are my children lost? Why, why am I going through all of these difficulties if you really loved me? And so before we ever look at this story, we've got to understand God's love transcends our circumstances. We don't look at his love in light of our circumstances. We look at our circumstances in light of his love. Because the Bible says herein is love. Not that we loved him but that he first loved us and gave his son a sacrifice for our sins. Long before you sat in this building and sang Jesus from the mountain and Jesus in the streets, can I tell you, he loved you. Long before you ever dropped a dollar in the cup or the bucket, he loved you. He loved us long before we loved him. In fact, Paul prayed for the Ephesians that they would grasp the height and the length and the depth depth and the width of God's unimaginable, ununderstandable, this love that's hard for us to even comprehend. Paul said like this over in Romans, who shall separate us from the love of God? Tribulation, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. He said, no, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Can I tell you, he loves us tonight. <laughs> Hallelujah. I am thankful for a God who loves me more than I can ever comprehend. We in the dark place. Never turn loose of the cord of his love. So look at this story. What is Jesus, how does Jesus cover us in the storm? Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 begins like this. Immediately. Okay, got to stop there. Because it's important. Immediately after what? Pastor Josh mentioned it. 
a few loaves, and a few fish. Immediately after Jesus fed thousands of people with just a few loaves and a few fish. Why is that important? Brother Al, I learned a long time ago that some of the greatest storms in my life came after some of the greatest miracles in my life. I learned a long time ago that there are some deep valleys on the other side of that mountaintop. And so here's this, some would say, the greatest miracle of Jesus' earthly ministry. On the hills of this, immediately, the Bible says, Jesus made his disciples get in the boat and go across to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And after he sent the multitudes away, he went to the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening was come, he was there alone, the Bible says. But now the boat was in the middle of the sea, and it was tossed with waves because the wind was contrary. But in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus came to them walking on the water, walking on the sea. And when they saw him, they were troubled, saying, it's a ghost. And they were afraid. And Jesus said, it is I. Be of good cheer. Don't be afraid. And Peter said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come out on the water to you. So Jesus said, come. So Peter, getting down out of the boat, walked on the water, going to Jesus. And when he saw the wind was boisterous, he became afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately stretched out his hand, grabbed him, and said, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got back into the boat, the Bible says the wind ceased, and those in the boat, the other 11, came and worshipped him and said, Truly, you are the Son of God. What a great story. But in that story, I see a covering that Jesus puts over us in our storms. Now, here's the best way to illustrate it. Somebody asked me, are you going to have an illustration? Listen. Sam, when you're not a great preacher, you got to have great illustrations. It's the youth director in me, I guess, Al. I just can't get rid of it. Okay, now listen. Some of you folk are, uh, are probably saying, I can't believe that he opened up that umbrella in this building. First of all, shame on you. We don't believe in that stuff. But just in case, this is actually a Church of God umbrella. So you're okay. It's a Church of God umbrella. Think of it like this. In the greatest storms of your life, you've got a covering. He's got you covered. He's got you covered. He's already made provision to see you through the storm. Here's the problem. We get out from underneath the covering. The problem's not with the covering. The problem's trusting his covering. Amen? And so here's what I'm, here's, I'm going to give them to you. Here we, here we go. Here's number one. Jesus made his disciples get in the boat and go across the other side. They were exactly where he told them to be, doing exactly what he told them to do, and now they find themselves in the middle of a storm. 
Can I tell you something? You can be in the very center of his will, in the very center of his plan. You can be in the church he's planted you in. You can be in the pastor, you can be the pastor of the church he wants you to be at and still be fighting devils neck deep. Because your circumstances don't equate to his plan. He always has a plan. Now, sometimes we understand the plan. Sometimes we don't. But whether we understand it or not, whether we get it or not, doesn't change the fact he still has a plan for your life. Now, here's the deal. As a believer, you will never walk in victory until you settle the issue of his sovereignty. Okay, I'm going to say that one again because that one's got to sink in. You will never walk in victory until you settle the issue of he's God and you're not. And so there are going to be things that happen that you don't agree with. There's going to be things that happen that make you mad. There's going to be things that you question. There's going to be things that you don't like. But can I tell you something? We're not God. He is. And so we simply have to choose to walk by faith and not by sight. God, I don't understand it. I don't even agree with it. But I know who you are. And I'm just going to choose to trust you, God. I'm going to choose to trust your plan for my life. I'm going to choose to trust your hand. I'm going to choose to trust your grace. I'm going to choose to trust your mercy. I'm going to choose to trust your love. God, I'm simply going to choose to trust you. And here's what I believe. I believe sometimes we prolong our difficulties because we struggle with God to get out rather than trusting God to see us through. His covering over us in the storm is his plan for our life. And if we, there's, there's, I'm going to give you another one in a minute, but there's two or three of these that we struggle with, and this is one of them. Because when his plan isn't our plan, we get out from underneath the covering. We've got to walk by faith and not by sight. I don't understand it, but God, I know this. I may even question, did you put me in this church? But here's what I do know. You have a plan for my life, and my life is held in your hand. Amen? He's got a plan. Here, here's number two. It's his prayer. Jesus told him to get in the boat, go to the other side. They find themselves in a storm. But here's what I see. I see the master on the mountainside praying for the disciples that are out in the storm. So we have his plan. We have his prayer. He's our intercessor. Sam said it. We have an advocate with the Father. We, he ever liveth to make intercession for us. He sits at the right hand of God, interceding for you and me. Now, I am thankful for every person who comes to me and says, I'm praying for you. I appreciate that. I really do. I appreciate Lori's prayer. She covers me in prayer. I appreciate friends who pray for me. I appreciate colleagues who pray for me. I appreciate the prayers. But I stand here tonight grateful that I have an advocate with the Father in Jesus Christ. I am thankful because even when I don't know how to pray, Jesus knows what I've been through. He knows where I'm at and he knows where I'm going. And he is interceding for me at the throne of God. Amen. We've got to trust his prayer. He said to Peter, Satan has desired to sift you as wheat. 
but I have prayed. Now listen, that your faith not fail. He didn't say to Peter, I prayed that the storm would never come. He said to Peter, the storm's coming. But my prayer for you is that when the storm comes, your faith will not fail. And you're going to help the others to get through it too. Amen? Can I tell you something? He's praying for you tonight. And you may be in a storm. You may be in the darkest place you've ever been. And you may be sitting there thinking, I'm never going to get through this. I'm never going to get out of this. I'm here to tell you tonight, you've got an advocate with the Father. Jesus is praying for you. He is interceding for you. He's standing in the gap for you. He's going to see you through. So we have his, we have his plan, we have his prayer, and we have his purpose. fourth watch of the night here comes Jesus his time is always the right time now unfortunately for me very rarely does my time coincide with God's time I hate that Pastor Ken I want it right now I don't, I don't want to wait on it I don't learn anything just fix it but I can look back over my life and all the times I've tried to rush his hand, if God would have moved when I wanted him to rather than he, when he did, I'd have only made things worse rather than better. Because the one thing I have learned in my life, his time is always the right time. We were at McDonald's a while back. It was taking forever. Now I'm a connoisseur of McDonald's. I, I actually love the place. Now Lori can't stand it, so I don't get to go very often. But I love McDonald's. In fact, I, I, the only job I, I, I worked at McDonald's, I paid my way through college working at McDonald's. I worked at McDonald's in high school. I worked at McDonald's in college. So I'm not against McDonald's, folk. I love you. Help me pay my way through school. And then I became a preacher and hadn't worked since. But I worked at McDonald's. <laughs> well, let me take that back. I became a state overseer and a state youth director and an executive committee member. If you're a pastor, you still work hard. But I, I worked and so it was taking forever to get through the drive-thru. And so I was fussing about it. And Lori's like, calm down. It's only been a couple of minutes. We've been here but a couple of minutes. And I said, honey, it's not called sit-through. It's called drive-thru. You want to go in, you want to get your, you want to go to the speaker, you want to give your order, you want to get your food, you want to not even come to a complete stop, exchange money, and get on about your business. And you know what, brothers and sisters? There's too many of us that treat God that very same way. We want to roll up and tell him what we want, when we want it, and how we want it. And God, we'll see you the next time we need something from you. But can I tell you, God, sovereign God in glory is not a fast food restaurant that we demand it when we want it and how we want it. Brothers and sisters, like it or not, he doesn't operate on your calendar or your clock or your schedule. God moves when God wants to move. Amen? God moves in his time. He is an on-time God. Yes, he is. Hallelujah. So on the fourth watch of the night, the disciples think it's all over. But he's on time. Oh, but I love this part. This is my favorite part of the story. We struggle with his plan. We struggle with his time, for sure, with his purpose, for sure. But I love his patience. I, my favorite part of the story, because I relate to it. Here he comes. The disciples 
see him walking on the water. And they don't even recognize who he is. But when he comes to us, he always comes to us victorious. What were the disciples afraid of? They were afraid of drowning in the water. Found a boat in the middle of the sea. So Jesus comes to them saying, you ought to be afraid of this. This is what you're afraid of? Al, you, you're afraid of this? I've already gotten victory over. You ought to be afraid of this. You know what? If you're sick, he comes to you as healer. If, if you're in need, he comes to you as provider. If you're here tonight and you're lost and you don't know him, he comes to you as righteousness. But however he comes, listen to me, however he comes in your storm, whatever you need from him, whatever you, wherever you're at and whatever you're going through, rest assured, when he comes, he's going to come victorious over it. He's already defeated it. He's already beat it. It's already won. The battle is already over. Disciples don't even recognize him. In fact, they cry out in fear. The Bible says they thought it was a ghost. Can you imagine being in the boat? We're going to drown. Jesus sent us out here to drown. And now there's a ghost out here going to get us. I don't know about you. There have been times in my life when it's been so dark, I've said, God, where are you? And I didn't even recognize his presence. Because one thing I know, Sam, he's always been there. Whether I recognize it or not, but his patience. Because Jesus says to them, they didn't recognize his presence. Maybe they'll recognize his voice. Jesus said, it is I. You don't have to be afraid. Be of good. Be happy. I'm here. I'm in your storm. You can rejoice. I'm with you now. But they didn't even recognize his voice. And I have to confess, there have been some times in my life when I've questioned his presence and I've questioned his voice, but I love this. Paul said to Timothy, even when we're faithless, I'm getting choked up on this one. i got to stop for a second because I've been faithless a whole bunch of times. Even when we're faithless, he remains faithful. I've been in the storm before and I didn't have enough faith to believe him to get me across the street. But even when I've been faithless, my God has still been faithful. Amen. Can we give him praise for being a faithful God tonight? He's faithful to us. When I was laying up in that hospital questioning everything that was happening to me and wondering where was God and why did he let it all happen, I had no faith. But he remained faithful. He is so patient with it. He understands us. You may not think another person in this world understands what you're going through. You may think your wife doesn't understand, your husband, your kids, your parents. You may think you're going through this all by yourself. And if you don't hear another thing I say tonight, just catch this and you can go home. He has seen every tear that's rolled down your cheek. He has heard every prayer that you have prayed. 
He has seen the hurt in your heart. He has seen the stress. He has seen all the stuff that you've struggled with, the anxiety, the pressure. He has seen every bit of it. He understands what you're going through, and he'll minister to you. You don't have to go to him. The disciples didn't walk on the water back to the shore. You don't have to go to him because he's coming to you. Amen? You don't have to worry about getting to him because he's going to get to you. And even if you don't recognize him being there, he's still going to be your covering. Where are you, God? I'm still covering you. Why'd you let it happen, God? I'm still covering you. God, why'd you leave me here? I'm still covering you. God, am I in the right church and am I in the right place? I'm still covering you. Thank God. Brother Al, thank God he's patient with us. I'm so thankful. I'd have been out of this thing, Josh, a long time ago if I didn't serve a God who was faithful even when I wasn't. So you know the story. Peter said, Lord, if it's you, Okay, here's how much faith is in the boat. Zero. And I and I listen, I know faith. I, I, I believe in faith, but here's what I know. You can be in a place in your life where you can't even get the mustard seed. You been there before? You can't even get the mustard seed. But I'm thankful tonight. It's not re- it's not dependent upon my faith. It's dependent upon his faithfulness. And so Peter musters up a little bit of faith and says, Lord, if it's really you, command me to come out there with you. Jesus said, come on. Because what's impossible to us, what seems overwhelming to us, is casual with him. Peter, if it's really you, God, Because the mountains that we see that are so large are small in the hand of God. So you know the story. Peter gets out on the water, sinks. Jesus takes him by the hand, brings him back to the boat. Here's the last piece of this covering. It's his peace. Because when he gets in the boat, the Bible says the wind ceased. He covers us with his peace. He's going to see us through the storm. You're going to get on the other side of it. Amen? Let me finish my story. They were thought they were going to have to do surgery. They wouldn't even let me go home from the hospital because they were, you know, we're going to, it's going to now it's going to change your life forever. Finally, we convinced them that camp meeting was only three days away. Listen, I know I'm an idiot. I know, I know, I know. We can camp meeting was only three days away and South Georgia could not have camp meeting without Gary Lewis being there. I know, I know. Even as the words come out of my mouth, I'm thinking to myself, you're an idiot. I know. But that's the truth. That's exactly what happened. And as we walked through that journey, I was in camp meeting. Two days, three days after Todd, you were there. Two, two or three days to get out of the hospital. They were all mad at me. Everybody was fussing with me. I was down the altar praying for people. <laughs> it was crazy. And they were all like in a circle around me to make sure nobody would fall out and hit me. Lori was like, you got to get out of here. You know, you're going to get killed. And it, it was bad. I mean, I was 
Lord help me in my ignorance, but I went camping. But can I tell you something? Somebody sent me a picture. The first night of camp meeting, I was sitting, they were sitting behind me. First night of camp meeting, I, I couldn't even get my arms up this high. It was just so much pain. I couldn't hardly even lift my hands. And by the end of that week, He's still a healer, amen? He still comes to us in our storms. And so as we walk through that journey, I remember the, the first time we went to a new doctor's office. They have a, different locations. They let us go to a location closer to our house, Warner Robins. And I went in, and the first nurse came in, and she asked me what medication I was. I said, I'm not on any medication. And she said, so this happened last year. I said, no, this, this happened two months ago. She said, no, there's no way this happened to you two months ago. She said, you were hit by a car two months ago. Your back was broke. All these this all stuff happened to me. I said, yeah, about seven weeks ago. Now, I know she seems quiet. But now Lori's got some preacher in her. And so Lori starts preaching to him. She said, let me tell you why he's sitting here today. She said, because when he got hit by that car, the church came together and prayed. I think, I think it was somebody this morning said, we're a family. I think it was Todd said, we're a family. The church came together, and they prayed, and she said, Jesus has healed him. And she said, hold on a second. She left, and she brought in another nurse. Am I telling the truth? She brought in another nurse, and that nurse said, I had to come in here and meet the guy who had all of this stuff happen, had his back broke two months ago, and no pain medication, no physical therapy, doing nothing except going to camp meeting. So Lori preaches to her. She goes to the third nurse, and she, the third nurse comes in, and she said, the whole office is talking about you. And Lori said, they need to be talking about Jesus. Because Jesus is healing. Hallelujah. So we get to the end of our story. So my last doctor's appointment in November. And this, the three of us in the office, he had, his, had the x-rays on an iPad, and we're looking at the iPad. And where my back was broken, it was real white, real bright white. So I asked him, I said, is that arthritis in my back? Am I going to have arthritis? And here's what the doctor said, the neurosurgeon. He said, I've never seen it in an adult before. He said, in fact, I've only seen it in children a few times. He said, but that's where new bone has grown in your back. Hallelujah. And so, Lori, we're, we're, we're tight now. I mean, we're not like, I mean, we're tight in a little circle. Lori does everything but speak in tongues. She's having church. That's the truth. I tell the truth. She's talking about how Jesus is healing. So finally, the doctor, the neurosurgeon says, well, then I guess we just got to praise Jesus. So, but can I tell you something? Here's what I know. I don't understand it all. And there's been a lot of times in my life when stuff's happened and I didn't understand it. And stuff's happened to our kids and stuff's happened in our lives and we've been in the dark places and I haven't understood it. But I stand here tonight and I want to tell you every time I've been in the dark place, every time I've been in a place that I didn't understand it, and every time I've been in a place where I couldn't figure it out, God was still there and he had a covering and he had it all taken care of and he had it. Amen. Hallelujah. God already had it. He's got you tonight. Okay, I got to finish with this. They, the musicians have come. Let me finish with this. Two things happened when he got in the boat. This is our response 
to God's covering. They said, truly you are the Son of God. Now catch this. They just saw him feed 5,000 men, not counting women and children. Literally hours before. With just a few loaves and a few fish. One of the greatest miracles Jesus ever performed. They just witnessed it. It wasn't the miracle who revealed who Jesus was. It was the storm. They didn't walk out of there carrying those 12 baskets saying, truly, you are the Son of God. But when they came out on the other side of that storm, they said, we know who you are now. Sometimes, sometimes we just have to go through the storm to see who he really is. And then here's the second thing. They worshiped him. I've made up my mind. I made up my mind when I was laying in that hospital. I don't know where this is going to take me. But I'm going to worship you. I'm going to be a worshiper. I'm not going to let my storm steal my worship. I'm not going to let my circumstances steal my joy. Thank you, priest, about that this morning, pastor. I'm not going to let my storm steal it from me. We're pastoring our church in Chicago. Pastors, you, you'll know this is true. There are things that happen that you never forget. We had a lady, front row. Pastor Ken, she'd be on the front row. She'd be the most enthusiastic worshiper in the building. She'd dance, she'd sing. She'd, it could be a horrible message. And she'd come to me after church and say, Pastor, that's the most powerful thing I've ever heard. The next Sunday, she'd be on the back row of the balcony. She wouldn't stand up and sing. She'd sit back there with her arms crossed. Billy Graham could be preaching, and she'd get, walk out halfway through. So I asked her, I said, what's up with that? Here's what she said. She said, I'm not going to be like the rest of you other, you hypocrites. Now, it, it's funny now. It wasn't funny then. It made me mad then. She said, if I've had a good week, I'm going to come worship the Lord and let everybody know I've had a good week. She said, but if I've had a bad week, I'm not going to come to church and act like nothing's wrong. Everything's all right. Everything's good. Don, you know what I told her? could be in shambles I could be standing here today having just lived out the worst week of my life he is still worthy of my worship because I don't worship him because it's going good I don't worship him because it's sunny blue skies I don't worship him because all the money I've got is, that I need is in the bank I don't worship him because I'm healthy wealthy and wise I worship him because Jesus Christ hallelujah loved me before I loved him I worship him because he cared enough to send his son to die for my sins I worship him because I'm not worthy of him amen hallelujah but he loved me anyway say one time the difference between praise and worship you know everything that hath breath ought to praise the Lord the difference between praise and worship Lord I thank you for the food I have on the table that's praise I thank you for the roof I have over my head that's praise but the difference between praise and worship praise says God I'm thankful for the food I have on the table worship says God even when I'm hungry I'm still going to worship you. 
praise it. God, thank you for the roof over my head. Worship says, even if I don't have a place to lay my head, you're still worthy of my worship. You're still worthy of my praise. You're still worthy. Hallelujah. I'm going to worship him in spite of my circumstances. Brothers and sisters, he's called us to worship him in the storm. So my word to you tonight would be this. Stay under his covering and don't let the storm steal your worship. Wherever you're at tonight, whatever you're going through, whether it's sickness, whether it's with your family, whether it's with your church, stay under his covering. Stay in his plan. Stay in his purpose. Stay in his prayer. Amen. Stay in his patience. Stay in his peace. Stay under his covering. He's got you covered. Here's one thing I know about the storm. Here's one thing I know about the dark places. He's going to get you through the other side. You coming out. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. It may not be next week, next month, or next year. But I'm going to tell you something. You're coming out on the other side because God's still in control of this thing. He's still in control of your life. He's still in control of your church, Pastor. It's his church, not your church. God still has it. And I'm going to worship him through it. with me God I'm so thankful for your faithfulness tonight I'm not going to let the storm steal my worship Lord and I have a, a wayward son but let's steal my worship And the enemy may say, you're saving everybody else. You can't save them. No, listen to me. I'm not going to let it steal my worship. And we pray for him every night. And we're believing that one day, we know God's got a call on his life. And we're believing one day, on the other side of this storm, on the other side of this dark place, we're going to see him back in a place with God. We've seen him cry at youth camp. We've seen him baptized. We've seen him give his heart to God. We've seen him speak in tongues. And the devil doesn't own him. God does. Amen. I'm not going to let it steal my worship. Pastors, there are some of you here tonight, you've been fighting it, and you've been fighting it, and you've been fighting it. God's word to you tonight is don't let it steal your worship. Don't let it steal who you are. Just keep trusting him. He's got you covered. He's going to see you through it. Here's how I want us to finish tonight. And I've gone too long, and I apologize. If you're here, and you're just in that place, you know what, you know if you are or not. I don't have to spend 10 minutes convincing you if things are tough. You know where you're at. If you're in that place and you just need God to touch you, you need God to move, you just need a miracle. Just like Peter. Lord, if it's really you. God, I've been in this thing so long, I don't even know that I can believe it anymore, but if it's really you step out and find a place down here tonight would you just come if that's you you're just going through some stuff your family's going through some stuff hallelujah hallelujah lord i'm just going to step out i'm not taking it home with me tonight i'm not taking it home with me tonight hallelujah 
Hallelujah. Come on, I'm going to give it to you, Lord. I'm going to give it to you, Lord. I'm going to lay it at your feet tonight. Come on, there's more here. There's more here. Come on, come on. God, I'm going to get out of the boat. God, I'm going to get out of the boat. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As they begin to sing that, just go ahead. Come on. Come on. It's Jesus tonight. Amen. It's Jesus tonight. And I want some pastors and some ministers. Would you come as these that have come down? Would you come down and gather around and begin to pray for them? If you still believe there's power in the name of Jesus, if you still believe there's victory in the name of Jesus, if you still believe there's a covering in the name of Jesus, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you come and find somebody? Come on. Come on, pastors. Come join us. If you're still back there and you need a touch, come on. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Just stretch your hand this way. Worship him tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's breaking bondage. God's healing. God's setting free. If you need healing in your body, I want you to just come stand down here. Don, come on. I want you down here. If you need healing in your body, come stand right down here in the front right now. If you need healing in your body. Listen, I want you to stand in for Brother uh, Lesser, your, your father-in-law. I want you to stand in for him. If there's somebody you want to come in and stand in for, come in and stand in for him. If you need healing in your body, come stand down in the front down here. I stand here tonight and I declare to you, he's, God, he's still a healing God. Don, when I walked out of that hotel, when I left the hotel to go for a run today and I saw you standing there, when I walked out of that hotel, I said, God, I want Don to be able to run with me. That heart condition is going to be healed. Don, you're going to run again. You're going to run again. Hallelujah. 
I need some pastors. Brother Matt, come on. I need some pastors that believe in the power of healing and gather around these that have come over here. Guys, just I, I can't get everybody. Just make your way through. If you need healing, just raise your hands. If you need healing, hallelujah. 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 If you believe in healing, stretch your hand to these that have come. Stretch your hand to these that have come. Hallelujah. 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 Shout Jesus from the mountains. Jesus in the Hallelujah. Joshua Jesus in the dark. Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, by your stripes we were healed. It's already paid for under the atonement. Right now, in the name of Jesus, God, let your healing virtue flow over each and every person. Every sickness, God, every disease, every ailment, God, every discomfort, God, has to bow and flee at the name of Jesus. Right now, God, we pray healing virtue flow, God, from the hem of your garment. Right now, Father, we declare strength is restored. Right now, God, crooked backs are straining. Right now, God, migraines have to stop. Right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, God, According to your faith, oh Lord, according to your power, God, healing right now in Jesus' name. Thank you for healing, God.
If you're a pastor, if you're a pastor, would you just come stand over on this side right here real quick? If you're a pastor, if you're praying, keep on praying. But pastors, would you come and stand over here? Pastor Todd, come up here with me. This morning, Pastor Todd talked about having joy in the pain. And I was just praying with Pastor Matt. And the Lord just spoke into my spirit. There's some pastors going through some stuff tonight. Pastor Todd read this morning, write the vision down, make it plain. But Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 1 says, the burden that God gave the prophet. Long before there's ever a vision, there's a man or a woman who carries a burden. And church folk, we may never see the burden. We only see the fruit of the vision. And I want our pastors, if you're a pastor and you're down here, just raise your hand. I want some of our church folk. Would you come find a pastor to pray with tonight? Would you come find a pastor to pray with tonight? Would you do it? Pastors, raise your hand. Would you come and find a pastor to pray with tonight? If you believe, if you believe in calling, if you believe in anointing, if you believe that God's got a call on our churches, these men and women are on the front line of their communities, would you come find a pastor? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's some pastors over here. Come find a pastor. Come find a pastor. Hallelujah. <laughs> oh, God, we pray for these pastors. Come on, press in. Find a pastor. Find a pastor to pray for. Brother Yates, come Heavenly Father, we come before you. Father, we come before you, God. God, with hearts of thanksgiving for the most precious calling upon the lives, and that's the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that, Lord, you will tear down the strongholds, uh, those that come against your ministers, Lord. God, you see the burdens of the ministry. You see the cares and the concerns that they have, Lord. I pray tonight, God, that, you, that the Holy Ghost will flow upon them uh, from the top of their head to the soles of their feet, uh, that God revival uh, will break into the hearts, God. Uh, and I pray that, Lord, as they minister the word, uh, the Spirit will go forth uh, and draw mankind unto you. Lord, I pray for their families. I pray that, God, you will build a shield around them. God, have that covering over their lives, God, over their wives, their sons, and their daughters, Lord. Save them that may not be saved, saved, Lord. God, we know that, God, hallelujah, you're worthy and you're worthy to be worshiped, Lord. God, we pray in your name, Father. Amen.
tired of cancer. And it's affecting and infecting the body of Christ and many in our state. Some of you here tonight are facing that in your body. Some of you know somebody that's facing cancer. And I believe in the great physician. There is nothing, no sickness, no disease, no infirmity that the blood of Jesus has not already conquered. So if you're facing cancer in your body or you know somebody that's facing cancer, I want you to just lift your hand and we're going to pray together. I've asked Michael and he doesn't know if he can pray or not. He's gone through some treatments. And I just believe the Lord can use somebody that's facing some things that you're facing right now. And we're going to pray together. Michael, can you do that? Father God, I come to you right now, Lord. My body is weak. My mind is tired, God. But God, I hold on to three words that you've got this. And by your name, by your blood, I am healed, Father God. And by every person in this church, every church in this state, Father God, I'm sick of cancer. I'm sick of what it's doing to our body. I'm sick of what it's doing to our families, Father God. And Lord, by your name, Lord, if you can break out a revival in Asbury, then Lord, you can break out a revival of healing in Popper Bluff tonight, Father God. And Lord, by your name, by your healing virtue, Father God, we are healed, Lord, right now. God, right now, I point my hand towards Naylor. And there is a girl's name that I'm calling out, and I'm believing, Father God, right now, Misty Duncan, Father God. God, right now, that you are drying it up, Father God. I believe it. I, even if it doesn't come, Lord, I still praise your name, Father God. And I love you and I worship you. Somebody better lift your hands and worship the king. If you do that. Pastor Chris, Pastor Chris stand up for us. We want to pray for you. I want some of you pastors to gather around Pastor Chris. <laughs> Pastor, when I was over there, and I asked Mike, I said, Mike, what? What's he going through? Mike said he's got severe back pain. And the enemy spoke to me and said, God did it for you, ain't going to do it for him. Stand up here and declare tonight. God's not a respecter of persons. And I still believe he heals. And I know you do too. And it may seem like impossible to everybody else. Maybe even to you. But it's not impossible to him. And everybody that told me, there were hardly any that told me I wasn't going to get through it. Almost every doctor said, You're gonna, it's never going to be the same again. You're going to struggle with it the rest of your life. But I choose to believe his report. Amen. I need some pastors who believe in the power of healing. I went on Wednesday and they injected my back and said that it was going to 
take three treatments, and they're actually planning on going in and searing nerves in my back to get rid of pain. And once a year, I'm going to have to go back, is what I've been told. And I'm tired of dealing with it. Since 2012, I've been in pain. And I know if he can heal the woman with the issue of blood after 12 years, that he can heal something that's... Father God, your word says you're the healer. You're the great physician. And it's by your stripes that we're healed. God, I pray tonight for healing over my brother. Healing is the children's bread. And I plead the blood of Jesus Christ over him for complete healing from the top of his head to the sole of his feet. God, I pray. Before you, Don's going to say something to me. Don, here's what I just felt like the Lord laid some my heart. Chris, Don is struggling with a heart issue. Wearing a defibrillator right now in case his heart stops and has to be shocked back into place. And as we were praying, I just felt, as he was praying for you, I just felt for you two to pray for each other. And if you'll pray a prayer for his heart, and Don, if you'll pray for his back, and if the rest of us, can we just stretch our hands and believe for healing for both of these men who give their lives to God and believe that God can still do only what God can do? Can we give God praise in this house tonight? I believe God's worked miracles here tonight.
And a lot of times you show up at things like this and you have to smile for the camera and you have to, oh, we're doing good. But for the last six to eight months, I've just been wandering in, in a fog. Turn over to Bishop. I just want to do one last thing. Pastor, I want, I want you to find another pastor around you. And I, I, I'm, I'm especially thinking of Pastor Chris, but I want you to find a pastor that you'll just commit to tonight. And I know some of you already do this, but we just find a, a pastor that you're going to commit to. to I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to believe with you. I'm going to stand behind you. You're not in this by yourself. Would you do that? Well, Pat, while Bishop's coming, would you just find somebody that you can just make a quick covenant agreement with? I'm standing with you. I'm standing with you. I'm praying with you. This is what family is. Amen. This is what family is. We don't go through it by ourselves. Listen, uh, before we go, Lori, come up here. Would you do that? Come up here, Lori. Marsha, where's Marsha? Steigel. Listen, I want us to pray for the Lewis, Lewises as they travel. I was thinking a moment ago that uh, if you've never been a pastor, you don't know the stress and pressure that goes with that. If you've never been an overseer, you don't know the stress that goes with that. I cannot imagine the stress and pressure that goes with an executive committee member and I want our state council and your wife, if your wife is with you, would you come up here? And I want us to pray over the Lewises. They travel the world, and there's a lot of pressure that uh, goes with the position. I'm very proud of you, Gary Lewis. I've been up close to your journey, and I'm just very proud of you and Lori. There's greater things ahead. And so state council, come up here, please. Would you do that? This will be our closing time together. Your wife is with you. Come up here. We're just going to surround them and pray for them. Those of you out there, would you stretch your hand toward our bishop and just ask the Lord to cover them. Not only is he on the executive committee, but he has the responsibility of taking care of the finances of this denomination. That's huge. 
So council members come around the front. Ladies, in the name of Jesus. We lift up this couple. Let the power of your Holy Spirit just touch Brother Lewis. Sister Lori tonight. Cover them. Guard them. Guard their marriage. Guard their family. In the name of Jesus, protect them from the attacks of the enemy. Keep them safe in their journeys. Lord, just minister to every need they have. Minister to their family, the needs in their family. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise in this house tonight? Before we close, I want to give honor where honors due. Our state administrative bishop, Bishop Mike Steigel, and our first lady, Marsha Steigel. Events like this, encounters, conferences like this just don't happen. A man of integrity, a man of character, a man of prayer that loves you and this state with much prayer, much supplication. Bishop, thank you for loving on us and allowing us just to walk alongside of you and First Lady in reaching the harvest in these last days. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise for our administrative bishop and our First Lady? And of course, Bishop Lewis and Sister Lori Lewis, Pastor Todd and Shanna, thank you for just pouring into us this weekend. And Lori's books, please, we do not want to mail them back out. We want to sell every last one of them. We don't want to mail them back. We want to sell them out. As Bishop said, as I'm closing, you don't want to miss tomorrow. If you haven't signed up for our leadership training tomorrow, we have a great ministers that will pour into us, that we're able to as leaders and laity, as we fine tune our leadership in these last days, we're able to take a tool and put it in our tool belt to effectively articulate the gospel in these last days so if you have not registered it's not too late we won't even charge you a late fee it's that important for you to be here tomorrow so we love you and we're praying for you because i know missouri the best days are ahead of us amen give the lord a hand clap of praise one more time in this house we will see you tomorrow. Also, there's merch out there. Stop by the uh, tables, fellowship. Tomorrow at 8.15, the doors will be open uh, to continue to register. Also, class will start at 9 a.m. sharp. So if you want some donuts and some coffee, please come in early. Amen.
Be blessed. Brother Al, good to have you. Brother Bristow, we love you. Missouri loves you. Be blessed. See you tomorrow morning. Those of you that are in Popper Bluff Church, if you want to come to the conference, we're paying your way because we want to invest in you. Make sure that you come out tomorrow night, get, uh, tomorrow, get involved in the conference. God bless you.